0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, good afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Coming up on this Thursday edition, a report from Politico, which was the same paper that first reported on the leaked draft opinion on the Dobbs abortion case, is now saying there has been no, there have been no additional drafts of the opinion. Meanwhile, the Democrats think they have a winning issue and are going to keep beating the abortion drum. We are going to focus on this issue again and again and again between now and November. We are going to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting until we win. That was Senate Democrat Leader Chuck Schumer yesterday after his second failed attempt to pass the abortion until birth bill. We'll talk about this and get the latest from Capitol Hill from Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler in just a moment. In related to the draft opinion, overturning Roe v. Wade, those on the left left, appear to be ramping up their campaign of terror, vandalizing churches and continuing to picket justices and their families. We have received uh, a number of threats to bomb the church, burn it down, very
0: hateful and vile messages. And so we are just on high alert to make sure that the church
1: and our people are protected. That was Reverend Brian Greeby of uh, St. Patrick's Old Cathedral in New York uh, earlier today on Fox News. So where is the Department of Justice? Senate Republican Leader Mitch McConnell is raising that question. One would think a DOJ run by the former chief judge of the D.C. Circuit would need no prodding, no prodding, to protect judicial safety and judicial independence. But at least so far, The Attorney General was quicker to pounce on concerned parents at school board meetings. We'll talk about it with Congressman Michael Cloud, who has written to the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, asking that very question. And are government scientists and administrators at NIH, like uh, Anthony Fauci, getting royalty payments from drug manufacturers? A new report by Open the Book suggests this is the case. If this is true... Is it not a conflict of interest? We're going to talk about that as well. Also on Capitol Hill yesterday, House Republicans introduced a bill to defund the recently announced Disinformation Governance Board, or better known as the Ministry of Truth. The bill, introduced by Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, has the enthusiastic backing of GOP leadership in the House. We'll talk with Congresswoman Boebert about it later here on Washington Watch. And finally, the transgender craze is leaving few families untouched. This dangerous fad is being fueled by activists in the media, entertainment, and retailers like Target, not to mention those in the ranks of government like the president himself. So what do you need to know about this sudden rise in gender dysphoria, and how should you respond? We're going to talk about that this afternoon on Washington Watch with uh, Dr. Jennifer Balance. Later. Here on Washington Watch. But before we get to our guest, I have some action items for you. Now, we are entering primary election season. In fact, if you live in North Carolina, uh, Kentucky, or Idaho, early voting is now underway. In North Carolina and Kentucky, early in-person voting ends this Saturday, May 14th. In Idaho, it ends tomorrow, uh, May the 13th. Now, FRC Action has resources for you to help you. We're a part of the Guide coalition that is assembling voter guides so that you know where the candidates stand on the issue. So we want you to be informed and involved. And so we want you to cast an informed vote. You can find information about early voting, voter registration information, and the voter guides by going to frcaction.org and clicking on voter resources. That's frcaction.org, clicking on the voter resources. Also, I want to thank those of you who have taken action and contacted the Haven, Kansas City Council. As you might recall last week, the City Council in Haven, Kansas ordered the police department to remove the In God We Trust decals from all police vehicles. Now, I'm going to ask you, if you haven't responded, at TonyPerkins.com, at the top of the list of action items for today, there is a link to the petition. Uh, sign that petition and ask them to reverse this decision. Uh, this is... Uh, there. There's departments all across the country, and we don't want to see this start anywhere where they're removing, in God we trust, the nation's motto from police vehicles. Again, you can find all that at TonyPerkins.com. Today's verse coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan is Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It reads as follows. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They did not need to elect a king. God was to be their ruler, but here was the problem. They refused to walk in his ways. This spiritual compromise then led to moral corruption, which brought about political chaos. Any nation that rejects God and his ways will travel the same path. To find out more about how you can join FRC's Bible reading plan, go to frcaction.org slash Bible. That's FRC, I'm sorry, FRC. Dot org slash Bible. All right, the U.S. Supreme Court was expected to gather today for the first time since last week's leak of the draft opinion on the Dobbs abortion case that would overturn Roe v. Wade. According to Politico, which leaked the opinion, the draft from February remains only the only circulated version, and none of the five conservative justices in the majority have switched their vote. Adding this news to the Democrats' failed attempt yesterday to pass their radical abortion bill, this has been a rough week for the left. Joining me now to talk about this and more is Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, who serves as chair of the House Values Action Team. She is also on the House Armed Services Committee and represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Congresswoman Hartzler, welcome back to the program.
2: Well, Thank you, Tony. It's good to be here.
1: First, uh, can I get your reaction to yesterday's vote in the Senate, the second failed vote to try to pass the so called Women's Health Protection Act?
2: Well, it's the victory for life. And I commend all the senators who stood strong on, on this behalf against this very radical, extreme bill. I mean, what the Democrats are pushing is abortion up to the day before birth. And this bill would negate every state pro-life protection for the unborn even giving women the right to know uh limitations making sure that the uh abortion facilities meet basic health standards uh ultrasound bills parental notification all of these protections that various states have put in place to protect both the women as well as the unborn baby and all of that would be negated in this very, very extreme bill that shows how radical the Democrats really are. And uh, I'm glad that it failed.
1: Now, the, the opposition was bipartisan. You had one member of the Democratic Party You had... Um... Senator Manchin from West Virginia joined with Republicans to vote against it. And his opposition was very telling because what he said was that he would support, if you were just going to codify Roe, he would support that. However, this, as you pointed out, goes much further in eliminating all pro life laws that have been passed in the last 49 years.
2: No, it absolutely does. And it prohibits states from being able to move forward and change anything, even into the future. I mean, it is. Unprecedented where you pass a law and say, well, in the future, you can't change this. Um, That's just undemocratic.
1: So I want to switch now to the administration that is doing everything they can to, I guess, circle the wagons, if you will, for abortion. The administration looking at how they can, by executive order, provide funding for abortion if this uh, court opinion is handed down, as we uh, now suspect it may be in this uh, this form. Um, what do we know about how far this administration will go?
2: Well, I, I don't know. They're going to try all kinds of tricks, but they're against the, what the American people want. I mean, even back to this bill, uh, polls show that 80 percent of Americans do not support Uh, abortion in the third trimester, and of course, their bill would allow that. 61% of Americans think that abortion should either be illegal or should be determined by the states, which is what will happen if the Roe versus Wade decision is overturned, is that it doesn't uh, stop abortions all across our country, prevent it. It just lets it go back to the elected representatives of the people at the state and federal levels rather than having some unaccountable unelected judges making that decision and that's what happened back in 1972 it's a failed decision it was a wrong decision and so i am very hopeful that i'll go back but this Biden administration is way off in left field and i think they're trying to gin up their base so they can have uh some victories in the uh, election because all their other policies are failing we have a ruined economy with inflation at 40 years high a wide-open border with millions of people coming across, 42 terrorists last year, record amount of fentanyl. We have a failed energy policy because they shut off American-made energy, and a debacle on the foreign policy, which has emboldened Putin to attack a free and independent Ukraine. And so the Democrats have nothing to talk about, and so they're encouraged, I think, by this uh, potential decision and think that it's going to get their base out. But I disagree. I still think that uh, people are supportive of life or at least having a say in it and and having the elected representatives be able to make those determinations in their state or uh, and and certainly they don't support this radical bill. Uh, They care about inflation. They care about record gas prices. And those things will bode well for Republicans this fall.
1: Reason as to why they're doubling down on abortion, because you're absolutely right. The polling numbers make very clear that uh, it's, we're, we're upwards of uh, t- you know, two-thirds of Americans believe there should be some restriction on abortion, that we should not have abortion till birth, uh, as the Democrats have uh, pushed in this bill. And even, of course, it goes even further than that. But then you also look at the radical LGBTQ agenda, the transgender craze that this administration is pushing. And the vast majority of Americans, I mean, we're we're bumping upwards of 80 percent that don't believe that uh, men should be participating in women's sports. It it just looks like the Democratic Party has been hijacked by this radical left fringe group that is at the wheel.
2: Well, they've just lost common sense and they've lost touch with the real Americans. And, And everybody that I talk to back home in Missouri just shakes their head that we're even discussing some of these things. That a biological male could even say, hey, I want to participate on a girl's team and, and take over and win all the medals and, and set the records. And nobody says anything. Nobody stands up for the women because, boy, we don't want to offend somebody. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. Uh, people have got to have that courage again to stand up. And that's what I see happening all across this country. And in the elections, even at the Virginia governor's race, where parents stood up and go, yes, we have. Uh, a say in our child's education, and we are the best arbiter of what is taught, and we have a right to speak out at school board meetings, and we're not terrorists. And yet this administration wants to turn parents into, to, into terrorists. It's uh, it's an upside-down world we're living in.
1: And I think people need to realize that. The, the sooner we realize it and act accordingly, realizing that this is—they're not going to give us space to live out our lives the way our faith would lead us as parents, directing our children. That's why they're coming for our children at younger and younger ages. And uh, so grateful, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler, that you head up the Values Action Team fighting for these things each and every day on uh, on Capitol Hill to defend faith, family, and freedom and protect the rights of, uh, of parents. Always good to see you.
2: Thank you. It's an honor.
1: You know, you look at this, and it is just, it's, it's, I mean, it's hard to explain. Why in the world would they be doing this? It doesn't add up politically. I think increasingly we're seeing this battle between good and evil, light and darkness. Not to say that everything's perfect on the Republican side by any means, but the, the lines are being so clearly drawn and we're gonna have to stand on one side or the other. They're not going to give you the space to raise your children the way you want to or influence your grandchildren the way that you would like. I mean, look at the radical measures they're pushing. Folks, we got to be involved. We've got to be informed. And I, again, want to encourage you, if you live in one of these states that has the primaries, be informed and make sure you vote. All right, coming up next... More on the response that we're seeing from the left over the leaked Supreme Court draft opinion as they're targeting churches and other places. That's next. Don't go away.
3: Join Family Research Council on an exciting two-year journey through the Bible. FRC's Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan helps you to dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into the cultural issues of the day. God has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. By studying the Bible, we can see God's plan unfold throughout the past and be encouraged by how the truth of Scripture is still relevant in our current day and will be into the future. The Stand on the Word reading plan engagingly and thoughtfully takes you through the daily scripture to help you stay grounded in God's truth. You can start this reading plan with Family Research Council today. When you sign up, we'll text you every Sunday with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your family and friends. Visit frc.org slash Bible to begin this journey
4: through the Bible today. Although most Americans believe they have a biblical worldview, studies show that most of our friends and neighbors, including those who attend church, don't think about the day's moral and cultural issues through a biblical lens. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview was created. The center serves to help Christians understand the importance of Scripture, why it must be authoritative, and how it can equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. The experts at FRC Center for Biblical Worldview provide resources to help prepare believers to give a scriptural answer to our culture's most pressing questions. Access these free resources at frc.org worldview. See the center's latest blogs, op-eds, and publications by signing up for the newsletter at frc.org worldview email.
0: want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent radio programs, social media posts, and publications.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host, and the website is TonyPerkins.com. Since last week's leak of the Supreme Court draft opinion on the Dobbs abortion case, pro-abortion activists have targeted the homes of all six conservative justices. They have also targeted churches, pregnancy resource centers, and other pro-life groups. We've talked about that on the program over the last few days. While most of the incidents uh, for the latter group have been protests and acts of vandalism, there have been violent acts and threats of violence we
0: have received uh, a number of threats to bomb the church burn it down very hateful and vile messages and so we are just on high alert to make sure that the church and our people are protected
1: how is father uh, graby with the uh, saint patrick's old cathedral in new york so why hasn't the department of justice stepped in as they were so quick to do after the national school board Association called for help against concerned parents showing up at school board meetings. With me now to talk about this is Congressman Michael Cloud. Yesterday, he sent a letter to the U.S. Attorney General, Merrick Garland, urging him to investigate the recent rash of attacks on churches. He serves on the House Committee on Oversight and Reform. He represents the 27th Congressional District of the state of uh, Texas. Congressman Cloud, welcome back to the program.
5: Thank you. Good to be on with you today.
1: So far, the DOJ has only issued a brief statement saying that the AG is providing additional support to the U.S. Marshal Service to ensure the safety of the justices. Now, as far as I know, as for the churches, pro-life groups, and pregnancy resource centers, there's been silence. At least there's been no action. What do you make of that?
5: Yeah, what we've seen really is just lip service coming from the White House so far. Of course, they know what they're supposed to say to kind of get by muster, but uh, it's been a little bit of a nod and a wink to some of these leftist groups who are continuing to call for disruption in church services and even calling for violence against uh, people of faith, and this is just really disturbing. You know, this should be something we see a Department of Justice standing up and being clear and strong on, you know, the, the First Amendment makes clear what we understood to be an inalienable right and that is the right to freely assemble and to to practice our faith and and to to worship and uh, what we see is an attack against those things for Political purposes, and, and this is just you know one of the bedrocks of what this whole civilization is is about. And uh, you you mentioned uh, in your previous segment just about how this is really coming down to be a clear battle between the, the right and what's wrong. And and you know we've got to begin to see it for what it really is and begin to address it. At
1: the heart, this is all about intimidating churches, Christians into silence. It's, I find it interesting they're targeting churches because churches, mm-hmm. if it is a church that holds to a biblical view, it recognizes the sanctity of human life because it's created in the image of God. And so this is an attack yeah. on faith. It's exactly what it is. But it, it, I guess what is so alarming here, Congressman Cloud, is that the Department of Justice was so quick... To go after parents who showed up at school board meetings concerned about the, uh, you know, the critical race theory being yeah. t- that, that framework being put into right. the classrooms, as well as the whole LGBTQ agenda. In fact, we've now, cert- we've now been able to verify that the FBI has created the threat tag, Ed mm-hmm. officials, right. uh, so they're tracking these parents. So, why, why such a difference?
5: Exactly. And and that's the question we're trying to get to. You know, really what Americans expect and have expected out of a, a Department of Justice is that's really supposed to be the place we go to that's not biased. They're equal application of the law. We re- remember all the statues and paintings of justice having the blindfold and the scales that we're trying to hold. You know, that's that's the essence of what it means to, to live under the rule of law. And we're seeing that perverted in a very real way uh, in, in our country right now and, and with this government. And to have a Department of Justice that is unequally applying the law to where certain people it, you know the American people are beginning to realize that there's two sets of justice uh, in, in our country right now uh, this is very very yeah. concerning this you know this yeah. is this is what we expect to see out of these communist countries and, and the socialist countries and ironically that's uh, you know where where the left is headed uh, in our country right now what's driving well, just, the it,
1: You're the right it's the same right underlying now. ideology uh, mm-hmm. That is is driving their actions here in this country. Here's how. Uh, in this, I want to go to your state here in Texas because this is how I think the church should respond. I want to play this clip of Father Peter Harris, pastor at Holy Rosary Catholic Church in Houston, Texas. Clip four, please.
0: This won't stop us, but it propels us to continue to be witnesses for Christ in the world.
1: See, I I think that is how we have to just say, look, if they want to target Mm -hmm. us for our believing that every human being is sacred because they're created in the image of God, then all right, so be it. But we're not going to go away. We're not going to go
5: silent. That's exactly right. It's really, uh, in one sense, an opportunity for people of faith to kind of remember what, what this belief is supposed to be all about. You know, uh, we've had good times and, and our, our practice of worship has been protected for the vast and large part of, of our country. But we have to understand that sometimes that's turned us off in a sense of us thinking what Christianity's supposed to look like in the sense of, oh, we're just nice and we're, uh, you know, kind of quiet and passive and those kind of things. When you read through, like, Hebrews 11, for example, what people call the Hall of Fame of Faith, and you see these heroes that say by faith you know they accomplish these great things but then you get to the end of that chapter and i'd encourage anybody to go through it and it it talks about administering justice and winning battles and uh doing all these great and mighty and bold acts to bring about right and proper justice uh in, in the earth and uh so it's really a time for people of faith to understand that that you know, it, it's time for us to, to be bold. It's time for us to to stand up and be strong and stand for what really is right.
1: Absolutely, this is a time of resolve to stand for truth. That's yeah. That's and I'm word. grateful that uh, the Lord is sending more and more men and women of faith to uh, our nation's capital to do that on Capitol Hill. And uh, Congressman Cloud, always great to talk with you. Thanks for uh, grabbing a hold of this, and I know you won't let it go until you get answers. Yeah, we'll we'll keep working on it. God bless. All right. And when you get those answers, we'll have you back on. Congressman Michael Cloud of uh, Texas. And there there are a number of men and women who the Lord is calling to our nation's capital to stand up for these biblical truths and values. And that's one of the things that gives me a lot of encouragement. That God is not finished with our country. But you need to make sure they get here. That means you need to be registered. You need to be voting. You need to be informed on where the candidates stand on these critical issues. And pastors, by all means, do do not be intimidated by what the left is trying to do. In fact, I would encourage you in the coming weeks, preach on the sanctity of human life. That's what the Word says. Preach on it. All right, coming up, Republicans in the House are going after President Biden's so-called ministry of truth. We're going to talk about that next with Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Don't go away.
4: Most of us have at least one friend or family member who is pro-choice or have engaged with someone who doesn't share our pro-life views. As Christians, we are called to defend the weak and to speak truth in love. When we advocate for the unborn, we must do so in a way that is both honest and loving. At Family Research Council, we recognize the inherent dignity of every human life, from conception until natural death. The value of human life is not conditional upon its usefulness to others or an arbitrary evaluation of a person's quality of life. Rather, the value of human life is unconditional because God, the author of life, has created all humans in His image. FRC's Center for Human Dignity exists to give a voice to the voiceless by helping others speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Access our free resources at frc.org life so that you can address abortion, human trafficking, pornography,
6: and more. Attention, university students. Do you feel called to promote faith, family, and freedom in public policy and the culture? Are you hoping to grow in Christian leadership? Then join Family Research Council for an unforgettable internship. FRC's 12- to 15-week internship program is designed to educate university students who are passionate about public service and who believe that a biblical worldview is necessary for government to serve the people and for culture to thrive. As an intern, you work alongside FRC experts who will invest in your personal and professional development as you prepare to make a kingdom impact in the world. This paid internship offers free housing in D.C., allowing you to experience community with other faithful conservatives in the nation's capital. For more information and to apply, visit frc.org slash internships. That's frc.org slash internships.
1: You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com and lots of resources there for you. So I certainly encourage you to check that out. House Republicans have introduced legislation to nip in the bud, as Barney Fife would say, the Department of Homeland Security's so-called Disinformation Governance Board, which the secretary of DHS, Secretary Mayorkas, announced two weeks ago as an initiative that his department was launching. Well, the bill was introduced yesterday by Congresswoman Lauren Boebert, and it has the full support of the Republican leadership in the House. The uh, Disinformation Governance Board is just a, a surreal idea. And you've heard it described as Orwellian, you've heard it, heard it described as dystopian. Let's just put it very clearly, very bluntly, it's unconstitutional. That is Congressman Mike Johnson of Louisiana, who is the co-chair of the uh, conference, vice chair of the conference. Joining us now to talk more about the bill is the author herself, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. She serves on the House Budget Committee and as the communications chair of the House Freedom Caucus. She represents the 3rd Congressional District of Colorado. Congresswoman Boebert, welcome back to Washington Watch.
7: Thank you so much, Tony. It is an honor to be on with you today.
1: All right. Tell us about uh, the legislation you've introduced, what it would do and uh, how it will be carried out.
7: Sure. Well, first of all, Americans on the right, left and center should all be able to agree that the federal government has no business trying to monitor our speech and judge what is true and what's not. Secretary Mayorkas went on TV and, and tried to spend this new disinformation board as a nothing burger. But he said that it had bad PR, it has bad PR rollout, and it's not really adding up. Uh, just look at Nina Jenkowitz that was hired to run the program. And I'm not going to spend uh, time talking about the horrendous things that she has said. Um, Plenty of of people can look that up for themselves. Um, But I do want to talk about uh, how she has been a parrot of MSNBC and pushed tons of fake news or disinformation, as the CNN host likes to call it. Uh, She said that the Hunter Biden's laptop was a plant by the Trump campaign. She pushed the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and she also dismissed the COVID-19 COVID-19 lab leak theory as disinformation. Uh, She's really uh, very partisan and this whole department looks like it's intended to attack the Republicans and silence free speech altogether. And that's why I, I introduced the Protecting Free Speech Act to terminate this board. This board would def—this uh, bill would defund this board. Uh, and and what people really need to know is this was created under the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, so DHS was created after 9-11 to protect us from terrorists, and now it's being used to terrorize Americans. and. DHS is a militarized form, uh, an arm of the government. They have means to enforce uh, this disinformation governance board. Or if anyone has read the 1984 book by uh, uh, the the, or, the and heard about the George, or George
1: Orwell, yeah,
7: military. yes. Um, you know this is this is really scary that we have an entire party who um, didn't take that 1984 book as a warning, they they looked at it as a guide. And that's what we're seeing here. So my bill would defund this disinformation board, this Ministry of Truth, and prevent the federal government from ever establishing another one like it.
1: And, and we don't have to look very far to see the effects of this, because we can look at what big tech has been doing to silence conservative voices over the last... Uh, Couple of years, and when you think about government, and we know the Biden administration is in communication with big tech, you put the two together, and we've we've almost lost our First Amendment freedom.
7: Uh, That's right. Our our First Amendment has absolutely been under attack uh, for the past uh, two or three years. Uh, especially uh, we we certainly our free speech is is under attack the freedom of the press is under attack we have journalists um, who have had battering rams at their door with FBI agents um, confiscating materials that they have uh, and uh, others who have been surveilled uh, by federal government agencies and and really this is like a dark arm of of, of these agencies that Congress has no Congressional oversight into because we don't even know that these activities are taking place and until there's an actual victim who speaks out about it um, and produces that discovery. Uh, but look at the right to assemble. Uh, we we were only able to assemble if we were protesting. Uh, you know this was this was something where Americans were locked in their homes, but if you wanted to go spray paint the Capitol building in your state, more right. well, than you were free to do that. Or burned down businesses. And certainly um, our freedom of religion was hindered uh, as we were not able to gather in our churches while we were locked down at home. Uh, so our First Amendment is under attack uh, all, all over the place. And as a member of the United States uh, House of Representatives, I am here to secure the rights of the American people first and foremost. Uh, this is why we were established. These rights. Do not come from politicians they come from god and we are here to secure those rights now we have someone in the white house um, or perhaps a fake white house set as we've seen Uh, i don't know why you wouldn't just go into the oval office uh but he is now saying that no amendment is absolute um and if that's the case well then let's just start with the 16th amendment and do away with federal taxes federal income taxes um but uh, this is a really scary place. I, what's next? Uh, do women not have the right to vote? Uh, what else is going to be under attack by this administration, by these radical uh, individuals who are in power right now?
1: Well, whatever they can get away with, I'm sure. Uh, Congresswoman Bobert, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for coming on today.
7: Thanks so much, Tony.
1: And. Uh, and, folks, I'm sure how this is going to play out, this is going to be an issue, but they're not going to get it through because of the Democrats will block it. So this is the next election. That's when this will take place. That's when they'll put the checkmate on the Biden administration after the November election. All right, don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch.
6: Religious liberty is the freedom to hold religious beliefs of one's own choosing and to live in accordance with those beliefs. It is an inherent human right. Therefore, Family Research Council's Center for Religious Liberty strives to advance religious liberty for all people of all faiths. Advocates for strong religious liberty protections are often labeled bigots. But for those familiar with the history of religious liberty in the United States, until recently it was embraced by a majority of Americans. In fact, Religious liberty has historically had bipartisan support. Today, efforts to restrict this freedom have become increasingly common. Therefore, Christians need to articulate with greater clarity why we support religious liberty and why all people are served when religious liberty thrives. Access the Center for Religious Liberty’s free resources to learn more at FRC.org/religious-liberty.
0: In today's culture, there are few examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need a model of leadership, strength, courage, and sacrificial love that they can look to. But where can they find it? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have the generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com.
3: At Family Research Council, we want to be able to keep you informed on our latest resources and events. Due to the growing threat of tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, we've created a text subscription platform so that we can stay connected. So if we get canceled, you can continue to receive updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts, and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get special alerts on the biggest stories of the day. You can stay informed with just a simple text. We want you to be able to stay connected with like-minded community and to always have access to our content. Stay connected and informed. Just text STAND to 67742.
1: is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, and the website's TonyPerkins.com. All right. Um, I didn't get to this with Congressman Cloud, but uh, we'll circle back around with him. But I do want to just mention that there's a new report out from Open the Books. Uh, that's a nonprofit uh, government watchdog organization. And, and they had to go through the Freedom of Information Act request to try to get this information from the Department of um, from National Institutes of Health, NIH. That's where Anthony Fauci uh hangs out what they discovered through this information a lot of it is redacted so it's really hard and this is pr- preliminary but if it is in fact true we've got a bigger problem over at NIH than previously thought between according to the information that they've gathered this is uh, open the books Between 2009 and 2014, both Anthony Fauci and the former NIH director, Francis Collins, received royalty payments from pharmaceutical companies. Now, the NIH, they're the ones, they they dole out about $30 billion in government grants to somewhere over 50,000 different recipients. So... And and we saw how they were actually in this COVID thing. They were silencing some of the scientists, and they did so with the purse strings by having this money that would go to colleges, universities, and others to do this research. But anyway, I mean, this looks like – I'm just going to say what it looks like on its face. Again, this is not definitive. We'll circle back around and and look at this, talk to a couple members of Congress who have not uh, really dug into this yet. But it looks like kickbacks. Uh, Going to NIH from drug companies. I mean it could be completely legit from a standpoint of royalties from these drug companies But it's it doesn't pass the smell test Um, So anyway didn't get a chance to get to that, but we will uh, In an upcoming episode of Washington watch what I want to talk about now is uh, This transgender craze that is sweeping up so many children in fact just saw this today that Target, you know, the uh the retailer, the one that threw threw wide open the doors of their bathrooms. They were the first retailer to open up the dressing rooms and bathrooms to whomever wanted to go in, men going in with girls, and there's been cases of uh women being assaulted, so on and so forth. But now they've launched a trans merch, trans merch for children, uh, including chest binders and a whole host of other things. I mean, this is, um, it's, it's despicable, frankly. But it's not just the retailers. We're seeing it in entertainment. We've been talking about the last few weeks, what's been happening with Disney, how they're intentionally putting these characters in and these storylines in. It's, it's all throughout Hollywood. We see it in the media. And we even have the president of the United States you know, the whole world is burning, and what, he, what is he focused on? He's focused on a parental rights bill in Florida. I've got your back, he says to the LGBT students, all three of them. But here's the deal. Because this, this wave is going through, it's creating this confusion. And, of course, anyone who dares speak up about it is immediately pounced on as being you know, homophobic or being you know, who knows what but you need to know about this and so i want to discuss the issue of gender dysphoria which is what is at the heart of the whole transgender issue the problems with the diagnosis and the treatment that we're seeing and, and you need to be equipped with this information because it's quite frankly it's going to be coming to a child near you uh, because of how prevalent it is in our culture today so join me now to talk about this dr jennifer Ballin. she is the director of the center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council. She has a new resource out on this. Uh, she has uh, extensive clinical and research experience working with survivors of trauma and abuse. She has also taught on psychological trauma and research methods in several graduate programs here in the United States. Dr. Bowens welcome back to Washington Watch.
8: Tony, it's good to be with you.
1: All right, I want to just uh, kind of walk through this in a... Uh, kind of a dispassionate if I can be uh, on this uh, from a clinical standpoint uh, this is becoming a big deal I mean it is it is uh, it, it, it I would say a fad but it's a dangerous fad but we're seeing uh, are we not seeing a, a, a huge spike in the number of especially girls that are identifying as, uh, as trans and, and, and having these gender issues
8: Yeah. And we're seeing a huge spike, and especially amongst those who are in the Gen Z uh, cohort. Um, They've been indoctrinated with this ideology. They've been exposed to it from a young age. So it makes sense that they would identify as LGBT in in a rate that's inordinate compared to generations prior to them.
1: Okay, so let's first, let's start with what is gender dysphoria? Define that for us.
8: Yeah. Um, So, and then the reason why this is important for us to know about is because there are, um, gender dysphoria is a legitimate diagnosis in the sense that it's a, a legitimate experience. But on the other hand, we need to know that it is a disorder. It is a disorder listed in the diagnostic Um, and statistical manual for mental disorders. So it is just that, a disorder. Um, And this is one of the ways that transgender ideology gets released and gets um, some scientific backing and credibility. So while I'm saying, on the one hand, there are people that really have this distress. On the other hand, when we start unpacking some of the diagnosis, you see what a wide, uh, broad umbrella this creates so that just about anybody could fall into this category um, that's, that's ever experienced, you know, playing with a, a member of the opposite sex as a child. That, that's one of the criteria.
1: So gender dysphoria is a clinical term, and there is a diagnosis. There is a, I, I assume, criteria by which you would diagnose someone with gender dysphoria. So let me ask you this question. Has there been a, a deviation in how gender dysphoria has been diagnosed as we're seeing this huge rise in people identifying with gender dysphoria?
8: Yeah. So so gender dysphoria um, is, well, the first criteria is that there is this incongruence between what a person feels in their biological sex and what they experience or as their what they would say is ref, um, their they call gender we would say um, identifying with the opposite sex um, and so where the departure is in the criteria that that I see is that when you're diagnosing other disorders where you're looking for something that is a stable pattern over time right and you would think based on the interventions that follow a diagnosis of gender dysphoria, like uh, cross-sex hormones or um, later surgeries, that you would want to have really robust uh, criteria and see a long-term pattern of somebody behaving or um, thinking in a certain way. So that's where the departure is, is that you have other disorders in the DSM that one you typically don't diagnose until a person's 18, because we know the brain is still developing. Um, in fact, until about 25, there's still brain development going on. And then the other fact is that you don't diagnose it because um, you are you have a sorry you have a difference between adults and children. So you want to observe uh, longer. in in children, because you want to see that consistent pattern uh, appear. And that's not the case with gender dysphoria. We have six months of observation. Six months. That's it.
1: I mean, it's, uh, you know, probably not the best analogy, but I know my dad used to teach me when we were doing carpentry work, you measure twice, cut once. And the idea is we're very cautious about uh, how you to go forward because you can't undo what you've just done and and it appears that we're accelerating or expediting these diagnoses that are then putting children into a f- position that quite frankly can't be undone
8: yeah and and now we're talking about the diagnosis and if you if you look at um... the WPATH, uh, it's the the world professional um... um organization for transgender um, interventions, you know, they're they're the ones who've written the guidelines. Um, They they say, you know, get a mental health assessment, um, have parental consent. But we know all of those things aren't happening. And in fact, um, if you look at Planned Parenthood's website, you'll see no mental health assessment needed for hormones. So you have young people going to Planned Parenthood and other places like that who can access these things without a diagnosis, without any kind of assessment, and without um, parental consent. And just a just a side note, even um, um, Biden's HHS yesterday released uh, another $16.3 million to, um, to, for Title X. So that means Planned Parenthood is getting more money um, to do more things like this.
1: So, Dr. Bowens, Ballins- what percentage of children and look i mean this is a confused age i mean people are wrestling and and and, I, and you and i have talked about this before these these issues are real to people to these young people they're they're struggling with this, so we have to acknowledge that there's a struggle going on here but it's getting to the underlying issues and and one of the things that would suggest that there's other issues at play here are the percentages of young people that grow through this and come out of it and they they have the alignment between their gender and their biological sex when they come through the other side.
8: Yeah, that's right and, and if we would leave these kids alone so many of them would just grow out of, of this dysphoric uh, feeling or you know we're all trying to figure out our identity when we're growing up and what's happened is that we have an ideology that's been inserted that's confused the issue. Um, and then, of course, if a child's brought to a therapist for help, um, you know, it, some of the the data on those who, who regret those procedures say that f- 57% said, you know, my assessment wasn't proper; it was incomplete. So mm-hmm. um, that means therapists aren't looking at underlying issues when these kids are coming for treatment.
1: Yeah, I want to talk about that, Dr. Um, Bowens. Folks, I I do want to encourage you. We've got a research paper that uh, Dr. Bowens has done on this issue entitled Diagnosing Gender Dysphoria in Children, an Explainer. It'll just help you understand it a little bit better. Uh, It's at TonyPerkins.com. It's free. You can download the PDF. But in here, Dr. Bowens, you said the number of children who grow out of their gender dysphoria Uh, range from 70% to 97% in biological males and 50% to 88% in biological females. So, as you said, the the vast majority, based on the studies, come out of this, you know, once they move through that turbulent time. But let's talk about maybe some of these underlying issues that are not, because this thing is so expedited, are not uncovered. There are other things that could be leading them to have this you know, gender dysphoria at this point in their life. What are some of those things?
8: Yeah, and I would say that gender dysphoria is rarely just experienced in isolation. There are usually a host of other factors. And um, some of those factors that we know for sure, we're seeing uh, um, from from um, Williams institute, these are these are left-leaning think tanks, um that the number of people who've experienced abuse, uh, sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse, 45 percent, 75 percent of of children who identify transgender experience emotional abuse. And so if, if you have a child that comes for treatment, and they present with gender dysphoria, and you don't assess some of these things like childhood abuse that we know is high in this population, that's, in my view, um, an issue of malpractice. Um, we also know that autism is very high in the those who identify as transgender as well as we you know the social contagion But here's the last thing mm-hmm. I would say on on some of those other factors that aren't being assessed in the gender clinics or in gender therapy is that um, the parental If um, the, the parents are usually pushed aside on all of these instances like I mentioned with Planned Parenthood a lot of these kids just go straight to the clinic, there's no assessment of how the parent might be contributing to any gender dysphoria. Um, Certainly, the parent can have issues that would lend itself to um, some of these radical treatments. There are fictitious disorders, um, obsessive-compulsive disorder. Um, So there are other things that can contribute, and, and we're not seeing that assessed and um, we also have counseling bans in a, lo- a number of states yeah. that pro- prohibit um, some counselors from even exploring that, these other issues.
1: I mean, that that in itself really exposes, I think, those driving this agenda, that they don't want these young people to get the help that could help them solve the issue of gender dysphoria by getting to the underlying issues. Um, to me, it's... Quite frankly, I think it's demonic what they're doing to uh, to, to these children to advance their agenda. Uh, Dr. Bowens, we're out of time. I want to thank you for this, and I encourage folks to uh, to check it out at TonyPerkins.com. Always good to see you. Thanks, for having me. Uh Look, parents, grandparents, just everybody, you need, you need to know what's going on here. And this is a good resource just to kind of explain it because these terms are thrown around. Not everybody knows what it means and they think you don't know, well, this is to equip you so that you can hold your ground, especially if it's your child. You know, demand your right to oversee the well-being of your children. That includes their medical care and their counseling. And it is something that we need to be aware of and involved in. All right. Thanks so much for being with us today. I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council 7234